think it can happen to you. The hit and run chase in California, a motorcycle rider witnessing a driver slam into several cars and then speeding away. It can happen to you within seconds, a blink of an eye. Tonight about the man suspected of killing a woman in a hit and run and his plan to evade justice. When you take your eyes off the road for just seconds, when you're driving your car, oh, yes, it can happen to you. See, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. When the sands of time will run out within your hourglass. New at 10, a hit and run caught on video, and now a teenager and his family are looking for the driver who took off. He was a victim of a distracted driver hitting the road while riding his motorcycle going 65 miles per hour. He nearly lost his life. Now on a crusade to help save lives and prevent someone else from becoming a victim, the creator of DistractedDriversBusted.com and now the host of this podcast, it's Howard Drescher. All right, welcome. Welcome to another show of DistractedDriversBusted.com, the podcast show. I am your host, Howard Drescher, the creator of DistractedDriversBusted.com, and of course now this podcast show. And you can follow me on Twitter at DistractedDBTV, at DistractedDBTV, and of course on Facebook, it's DistractedDB. And of course, you can get the shows on iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and Google Podcasts. Just type in the keywords, DistractedDB. This is part two in a four-part mini-series with my special guest, Dawn McKay. She's a victim, a survivor, and an author of the book, Talk Crash to Me. Now, in last week's episode, we talked a few items in the first three chapters. Now, we didn't want to give away the whole store, so that's why we didn't talk about everything. But we wanted to talk about some of the highlights, some of the key important facts. Dawn, Welcome back to Distracted Drivers Busted, the podcast show. How are you doing? Oh, I'm good, thanks, Howard. How are you doing? I'm doing really well. Um, again, we talked a little bit about uh, the first couple of chapters, a couple of items in each chapter that we're covering, because I think it's, a, is an ex, it's a very important book because, for me, as I read each chapter, I, I looked at it and I said, yes, I did this. No, I didn't do this. And, oh, I know nothing about this. And I think with what you wrote here is beneficial to each and every person, whether they've had a crash or not. They need to have something in their car at all times. And I think this is the book that can do it. Well, thank you very much, Howard. Um, and, again, thanks very much for having me on again uh, for part two of four. And, um, yeah, I look forward to speaking with you about um, a few chapters of Talk Crash to me this evening. Yeah, and, and honestly, to tell you the truth, I think there's a lot of different things in, in these chapters. And we talk about, like, in this next chapter we want to talk about, you know, the, con you know, the contingency, the free, and the, you know, in, in applying for beverages, or I'm sorry, not benefit. All right, I'm going to start that part again. It, it's That's okay. It's, it's really important because you talk about, in this next chapter we're talking about, you know, what is a contingency fee and, the, and applying for a benefit with the coverage? Think about yeah. that for a minute. There is different things that can happen and different things that can't happen that can either help your case and hurt your case and help you along in benefits and not. Can we talk about some of them? Oh, sure. So um, the benefits, of course, uh, again, 
I'm in Ontario, Canada. You're in California. Mm-hmm. But, you know, when you're involved in a, a motor vehicle crash, um, you certainly, if, if you're injured and you need time to recovery, you definitely have to look into, you know, if you're employed at the time or even if you've got private insurance, um, you definitely have to look in to see what your coverage is. And usually if you obtain a personal injury lawyer, they can help guide your way through that. But, um, you know, everybody's plan is different when it comes to uh, your rehabilitation uh, benefits. And as far as the contingency, contingency plan goes, excuse me, um, a vast majority of personal injury lawyers all across the world um, offer uh, a contingency fee, which mm-hmm. means um, if you do decide to obtain a personal injury lawyer and sign on with them, to look after your motor vehicle claim, then um, you don't have to give them any money up front. There are no fees involved. It's a free consultation. Um, if you decide to go with them, then you sign on with them. And when your case settles, they would get a, a certain percentage of the settlement fund uh, for all the work that they've done throughout your uh, motor vehicle claim. So it's really important for people to know that you know, uh, the personal injury lawyers, um, you know, you don't have to give them a retainer. You don't have to come up with, you don't have to grasp that they're looking for money. They, um, they do everything on a contingency basis, which is fantastic for any person that has been in a motor vehicle crash. And so initially, this is kind of like a retainer type thing until you decide whether or not, hey, I, I want you to handle my case. Right, yeah, they would offer the free consultation and they could do that over the phone. And nowadays with the pandemic, uh, personal injury lawyers are have taken full advantage of being able to talk to their clients virtually, either on a Zoom chat or um, uh, on the phone, which is fantastic. And I think a lot of personal injury lawyers going forward will offer that to uh, people that have been in motor vehicle crashes. I would love to have had that offered to me when I was in my motor vehicle crash. Of course, you know, you're talking on the phone, et cetera, uh, with your personal injury lawyer, but to if you have to attend something, um, to do it virtually by Zoom is fantastic. You know, right. you can do it from the comfort of your own home. So, um, yeah, so I'm hoping going forward, I'm hearing a lot of positive that mm-hmm. it's opened up a lot of doors for lawyers, that they're able to do so much more virtually from home and they're hoping to stick with that now, and so clients can feel more comfortable at home. Now, now here I'm reading this in, in, in this this, and if you can kind of explain to me a little bit more in detail what this means, no fault benefit. You can claim insurance benefits even if you are at fault. So yes, and that, I I can't speak. Um, you know, to, to the legal aspect of it, because, of course, I'm not a lawyer. Mm-hmm. I'm a victim of a motor vehicle crash. But, yes, here in Ontario, Canada, you know, who's ever at fault uh, would definitely be covered by insurance. Okay. Um, I see. Whether you're at fault or not. So in my particular case, I wasn't doing anything wrong. The driver that rear-ended me was completely 100% at fault. Right. Um, but there's cases that maybe, you know... Somebody ran a stop sign. Maybe three vehicles were involved. And, um, you know, no matter who's at fault. Now, with her insurance, the person that uh, struck me, 
um, her insurance would cover her mm-hmm. as a motor vehicle driver, right? Mm-hmm. Whether she was at because she was at fault, so her insurance company would have stepped up to uh, cover her in this particular case. Okay, so I'm going to take a guess here, and this next thing I want to hit up on is the fact that whether you're not at fault, more or less, coverage for medical devices and medical expenses, rehabilitation expenses. Now, is that something like that you claim uh, one against their insurance or their law- your lawyer is going to help expedite that if you retain a lawyer? Hey, look, my client here was rear-ended by your uh, dry, uh, insured person. You're going to pay for the re- rehabilitation, the expenses, the medical devices, whatever happens. And is that really more or less what you're talking about there? Because I think that's kind of important. It is very important. In my case, um, in my own personal experience, I dealt with, well, my personal injury lawyer dealt with my insurance company on my behalf. Mm -hmm. So what they do here is they give you a set amount of rehabilitation costs um, that, you know, it it all depends if you just have regular insurance. People take out extra insurance on their vehicle. Mm -hmm. So they give you a dollar amount. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean, you know, they write you a check for, you know, $50,000 $50,000 or $70,000 to do it, what you want with it. Right. <laughs> it just means this is, this is the max amount we're going to pay for any support and rehabilitation that you need. And then as you start the process and start seeing your rehabilitation team, which could be physio, occupational therapy, some people have speech language pathologists, um, the list can go on and on. Um, what we do here is we have to fill out certain forms or the personal injury lawyer will fill it out on your behalf if you're not able to. And then they send it to insurance. So it has to be pre-approved through your motor vehicle insurance. Mm-hmm. And once it's approved, they, they will approve for a set of treatments. Right. So let's right. say they approve six, six treatments. Um, they approve it. And when you run out of those six treatments, that same paperwork has to be filled out. I see. So they're 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 carefully watching exactly what you need and where the money is going. Mm-hmm. Well, that kind of makes sense. You don't they don't want to have anybody giving false claims and and charging extra. And I get that 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 makes sense. Absolutely, absolutely. And it's very important as um, a, a survivor that is recovering to keep in mind that even though you're you are either filling out the forms by yourself or having your health care professional fill it out or even a personal injury lawyer mm-hmm. and the visits are being paid for through your insurance. So, you know, you go in for your visit, you go in for your hour visit with physio and you, you late, you show up and you leave and everything's taken care of. Right. And it's really important for people to understand that, that um, if they're recovering at home, just because insurance is paying for it, you should always ask for a copy of a receipt. Exactly. You Which, should never take it for granted that everything's just going to work itself out. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to get into the habit of either getting a receipt every time or asking for a statement every couple of months just to see exactly where the money's being spent and to make sure that that uh, rehabilitation center or clinic is getting paid at the appropriate time. Because I ran into a situation um, where the clinic I was attending, getting most of my uh, rehab done for my recovery, 
it turned out I had found out that they hadn't, that particular clinic hadn't been submitting uh, the invoices for the service they were giving to me for over a year. Wow. And insurance companies, I guess they were backlogged with their bookkeeping. I'm not quite sure what happened there, but they missed it. And a lot of insurance companies have tight deadlines, meaning, you know, if, if you're not, if you're a clinic that's been pre-approved for visits and expecting payment and you're not billing the proper way, um, the insurance is liable to deny it after a few months and say, you know, no, you shouldn't be billing. It's too late now. It's six months later. Luckily enough for me, they did some investigation and they never, they never got back to me asking for funds from me. Uh-huh. But um, yeah, it was well over a year before they, before they, um, you know, build the insurance company. And that's a big no-no. So I think a lot of people that are recovering and going through, through rehab don't realize how important it is to keep all your documents of every visit out there, even a phone call if you're doing virtual uh, visits with uh, a rehab team. Everything is so important to keep. And I know it sounds like a lot to do, mm-hmm. but if you do it every day, it, it, it's just it's easier just to do it as you go and just kind of throw it in a box. You don't have to organize it. Just throw it in the box <laughs> and put the lid on it every time and just say, okay, it's all in there. If I ever need it, that's where it is. <laughs> mm-hmm. <Yeah>. All right. <laughs> Again, you're listening to DistractedDriversBusted.com, the podcast show. My special guest is Dawn McKay. Talk crash to me. This is the second show of a four-show miniseries that we're kind of doing. We're talking a little bit about each and every item not each and every item, but in each and every chapter, one or two items that will kind of make you think a little bit. And then I want you to go out and buy the book. You can get it on Amazon. You can get it. Where else can you get it, Dawn? Oh, I, you can actually go right onto my website, crosssupportnetwork.com. There's a link there right on the home page that you can click on and order from Amazon. And if there's any large businesses, organizations, or law firms out there, um, that are looking to, um, you know, hand this book to their clients as they recover, um, they can certainly uh, fire me off an email at uh, info at crashsupportnetwork.com because I'd love to speak to you to see, you know, for quantity size orders, I'm completely open to that at a discounted price. And I am starting to network uh, with quite a few law firms exactly. um, that are ordering quantity orders of my book because they when they take a new client on, this is something that they want to hand to their client because they feel they feel it's it's, it's a great value. Um, to uh, it's an added service to what they're already doing for a client. So mm. yeah, that is perfect because I'm going to tell you this is a must read. I I mean I'm finding out things that I should have done I didn't do things that I didn't know that go oh wow and of course I do find the items that I did do so I'm not totally in the dark on this, but. You just talked a little bit about when you got paperwork. You want to fill them out. So what happens if you get documents from insurance companies? Do you need to fill them out? Or can you hand them to your lawyer? Or do they explain it to you? You just maybe just don't want to go off and fill them out and sign them, and then you're on your way. Right, right. Well, I wouldn't. I would certainly not recommend... Um, having yourself fill out any type of form for an insurance company, especially if you've obtained a personal injury lawyer, because people have to keep in mind, once you obtain a personal injury lawyer, they work for you. You shouldn't be doing anything. Uh, Your personal injury lawyer should be taking care of any type of document that comes in that needs a signature. 
You know, when you attend appointments, especially if you're seeing a doctor for the first time, you know, they might get you to sign a document if you're getting an assessment done. And it's, it's really, really, really important to not just take anyone's word for it and fill it out and send a form back without completely understanding it. And it doesn't hurt to run it by your personal injury lawyer. If, he, if you've obtained a lawyer, they want to know that you've got a document in the mail. And usually the law firm, if you mention it to them and say, you know, I've got this document, I'm not sure what to do with it, they're going to say, could you please send it into the office? We'll take care of it. Oh, very, perfect. very important. So let's talk about this for a minute. What do actually in, uh, personal injury lawyers actually do f- for you on, on kind of on your behalf? I mean, I know they do. I know certain things they do, but what else do they do that that may I may not even know? Oh, well, the, as soon as you obtain a personal injury lawyer, um, it's their responsibility to notify um, everybody that's involved in your case, meaning usually when you obtain a, a lawyer, uh, the first person they would probably reach out to would be insurance companies. So they, they send the proper documents alerting uh, the insurance companies that you're now being represented in a motor vehicle claim, and if they have any questions, concerns, that they have to go through their law firm. So their main responsibility is to allow you to step back and take care of yourself physically, you know, financially and emotionally, and recover, and they should be doing all the rest for you. Now, my personal injury lawyer, I'm kind of, I reside a little bit into uh, a country, so I'm kind of in country land, so I'm not in a big city. And um, I know when I had to try to get into, um, like, a walk-in clinic, like an outpatient clinic. Right. You know, I, I had a lot of uh, rehab people coming into the home, but I was on a waiting list for quite a while to get into a, an outpatient clinic. Um, so it was a little bit difficult to find services for me personally because of where I reside. So the, the law firm, and I would say the personal injury lawyer, or even people that work in the law firm, looked after that for me. You know, they would call on a regular basis and say, you know, is there anything else that you need? That, or he would, she would, they would talk to my fiancé and say, how is she doing? It was like a weekly check. What else does she need? What else can we do? And then they would take it upon themselves to start looking on my behalf. So if I needed... Uh, an occupational therapist to come in, for instance, they would set that up for me because they knew because they're so experienced. And even though I was out in a different area compared to where their office was, they just they knew exactly what they were doing because they they came with several years of experience. So they knew exactly you know who to contact and how to set everything up for you. So you don't necessarily. You know, when you come home to recover from a, from a hospital, when you finally get home, um, you know, it's not up to you as the victim uh, of the motor vehicle crash to set up all the services for you. And usually some of them work hand in hand. So let's say I had an occupational therapist and maybe that one pointed out, you know, you're going to need physio. I'm going to have to, and maybe it was the same company. I'm going to have to request physio to come in. You're going to need help with that. So because of the, it, we all work together, they all work together on your behalf as a team. Mm-hmm. So they're kind of, you know, they're leaving charts in your home and then other people are coming in maybe from the same company to get an update. So, yeah, the, so getting back to that with uh, hiring a personal injury lawyer, they pretty much can do anything for you. 
Um, and like I say, it's very crucial that you, you sit back and you take the time to recover because that's your job. Our, our job is to recover and everything else, you know, either the personal injury lawyer will look after or family members. Mm-hmm. I, I can tell you this, that um, uh, uh, when I had my crash, um, I had to turn everything in. I mean, everything. I had to give my clothes to him, my motorcycle helmet to him, my jackets, my gloves, anything. And I had to send yeah. it to him. But they needed yeah. Now, the only thing they couldn't take, but they had photos of my motorcycle because obviously the junkyard took that and it got released to the junkyard. So once they had that, the, anything else that I needed or they needed, they would contact me and say, hey, I need this. Can you get me a photo of this or can you send me the actual item? And I would actually do that. And I didn't realize it at the time what they were doing. They, in an, in an essence, was actually kind of getting all the money that would have been owed to me for even my clothing. And I go, I didn't even realize what they were doing. But then when he sat down and talked to me, he said, look, we're going to get you money for this, this, this. Obviously, your bike, your injuries, this, your medical things, this, this, this. They're going to have to pay yeah. for this. And I'm like, whoa. And, and I was like more blown away at the fact that what they were doing behind the scenes, I never even really knew just looking at front and talking with them, everything that they would be doing and what they can do. Oh, sure. Yeah, absolutely. When you mentioned the clothes, um, I wouldn't have known because um, I went through that myself. I wouldn't have known that uh, you, you would have gotten reimbursed for that. You know, they were asking for a breakdown, et cetera. So they, they're your right-hand man. They, they mm. guide you through everything because they, they want your best interests are at their heart to make sure that, you know, you're well taken care of because a, a lot of people, you know, this could, this could be permanent um, and it's, uh, largely life-changing to, to a victim. So definitely. So I understand exactly what you're what you're saying. With that, they had the breakdown of your helmet and clothes and this and yeah. You, and you don't realize because you you kind of because I had an aha moment thinking, geez, you know, I never thought of that. I never even thought you could get reimbursed for that. So it's because it's a learning process. Because like yourself, we had never been in a a motor vehicle crash before. So yeah. you don't you don't know what you don't know. <laughs> so you learn as you go. And that's true. If you don't know it, yeah, you don't know. But you, you you think you know based on you watch all those TV shows and they say do this, this, this. But they don't do everything. So I'm thinking, okay, that's right. what they're going to do. What I see on TV, that's the minimum. That's what they can do. But no, they can really get in there and get the nuts and bolts on everything, which was totally sure. amazing. So I want to talk. I want to talk a little bit about something that really more leads toward the medical side, and. You know, traumatic brain injury, uh, TBI, you talk about that in the book. Did you have traumatic brain injury? And I did. I did. Okay. Now, there's several things in this chapter, and I want to spend a little more time on this one than the other chapters, because knowing the signs and the symptoms of no brain traumatic or traumatic brain injury is probably a lifesaver and i think probably out of all the chapters in the book depending on the kind of crash you end up in 
this should be a red flag for everybody. Talk to me a little bit about this. Absolutely. Um, You know, I'll be honest, I I didn't know that I had suffered a traumatic brain injury probably for maybe three or four weeks after my crash because, you know, you're going through so much. I had multiple injuries. You know, I I had a broken back. I had six or seven broken ribs. I had a seatbelt laceration that was getting daily wound care. Um, you know, I had a broken finger that I was trying to, to uh, heal as well. So hematomas everywhere, you know, I was a, was a, I was a mess. Hmm. So because there's so much going on, you're not really aware of, um, you know, quite all the damages because you're just so, um, there's just so many things going on at once. So I would say three or four weeks in, um, I suddenly realized, you know, I, I was starting to lose focus on the television. Hmm. I couldn't hear loud noises. I instantly felt there was something wrong with my vision. I couldn't watch uh, crashes on television. And back then, it was, I think it was close to Christmas. And, of course, uh, people were um, visiting, and it, they've got movies on. And I remember sitting there thinking, is there ever a movie that doesn't have five or ten or twelve crashes in it? Because you don't realize until it, it bothers you yeah. um, that, you know, all, so many movies have, you know, motor vehicle crashes in them. Um, so I gave it a little bit of time um, and thought maybe, well, you know, I'm going through a lot. I'm just going to leave it alone for now. And then I would say a few weeks later, um, I had I took it upon myself to advocate for myself. And I booked an appointment with an optometrist. Because I had 20-20 vision before my motor vehicle crash, and my vision was not good. Wow. And it, if anything, it was getting worse. So I went to go see an optometrist, and when I was there, I, I can't remember the name of the exam that he did on my eyes, and I explained to him what had happened to me, and I said, you know, I'm having a lot of vision problems. And he did some type of exam on me where I was sitting waiting for him, and when he got the results, he said, I don't want to alarm you. But um, I have to do it again because there's a shadow and it could possibly be a brain bleed. So I thought, oh, my goodness. So he went and did the exam again and came back. And luckily enough, it wasn't a brain bleed. Um, But then after that, my my vision didn't get much better. I was prescribed reading glasses. Um, I still had a lot of cognitive issues. A lot of um, it was really difficult for me to focus. I could only keep up with one conversation at a time. I used to be a wonderful, I don't even know if you'd call it a multitasker, that I could be somewhere and five conversations would be going on. I could I could listen to all of them and carry on a conversation <laughs> with the person beside me. Yeah. I used to be a genius at that. Well, those days are over. I can't do that anymore. I wow. can only focus on one thing at a time. So it's really important. And of course, you know, in my particular case, in my motor vehicle crash, my um, even though the airbag saved me in my seatbelt, I, I did partly go through the windshield. So I did have um, a laceration on my forehead as well wow. from the crash. But it's just so important, you know, if, if something doesn't feel right, I can't stress enough that um, you just have to keep pushing doctors over yeah. and over and, until you're satisfied. Because a lot of victims kind of back off and think, well, you know, they keep I keep going to these doctors and they keep telling me everything's okay and and if if you feel that you're still not okay, you just you have to keep pushing it. And that's what I did. You know, I wouldn't let anything slide 
because you know you're your best advocate. You know your body than anyone better than anyone else. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to any type of brain injury, whether it be mild, moderate, or severe, it has to be taken really seriously because it can be life changing. Like you have, you have to recognize the signs if if you're having like myself, if you're, ha- if you're having problems focusing, and your person maybe your personality moods have changed and. Um, you know, and if your family members are noticing a difference with you, um, you know, with a brain injury, um, there's huge personality changes. And it's so important to keep following up with the right doctors to monitor you, um, oh. to get into maybe some cognitive training. To, um, you know, I did that quite a bit, actually. I, the occupational therapist offered some really great, I can't think of the name of these, um, brain tweets. Twizzers, I think you call them, or brain teasers. Right. But she had given me some things I could have, I could do on the computer just to test my cognitive skill to try to get back to where I once was. Wow. So any type of head injury in a motor vehicle crash should be taken really seriously. Mm-hmm. And and then ha- have you kind of fully recovered, or are you still having some of the some of the um, symptoms? Do they come and go? Or? I'm gonna- yeah, I'm going to say I haven't, I don't think I'll ever fully recover. I'm mm-hmm. better, yeah. um, but I'm not as quick or sharp as I once was before my motor vehicle crash. So uh. I kind of embraced the new me. It took me a long time to do it. But there are some things I, I still won't be able to do. I'm, I'm not a huge multitasker anymore. You know, and I've got good days and bad days. Like right now in Canada, you know, the weather's changing. We're mm-hmm. starting to get snow and ice. And anybody that has chronic pain, and you might go through the same thing because we were talking earlier. You said there's a little bit of a cold front coming mm-hmm. in in California. You know, your body will tell you two days in advance, uh-oh, there's a change in weather coming in. Yeah, I can tell when you it's going to rain. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, that's that's one of our, our perks that we get oh, as thanks. a motor vehicle crash. <laughs> we get to become automatic uh, meteor- meteorologists. Yeah, meteorologists. So we can predict oh the weather. All right, Dawn, I want to thank you for being on the show today. And again, next week we'll join together again, and we'll talk about some more about the book. But I can only encourage each and every person out there, talk crash to me. It's a fabulous book, and it has to be in your car because there's a lot of do's and do's and do's because they're all important. Not so much on a don'ts because everything in this book is relevant. Dawn, any last words here? Oh, I just want to thank you again, Howard, for giving me this opportunity. I think I think it's fantastic that you've allowed me this opportunity, especially in four parts, to go through the chapters of my book. I can't thank you enough. I'm very appreciative oh, for this no. uh, wonderful opportunity, Howard. Oh, it's my pleasure. All right. My special guest today, again, was uh, Don McKay. Talk Crash to Me. This is part two of a series of four in a little mini-series that we're doing. This is a very special book. I wish I would have known about this because I would have paid attention more to actually my case than what I actually did. Although my lawyer was great and he fought for me, but there's probably things in here I'm going, I didn't know. Again, thanks for being with us. Next week will be part three, the installment of part three in in this series. Again, Remember, I don't want to die today, do you? Don't let anyone take the sands of time within your own hourglass. Until next week, be safe.